The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Why does it seem that doing good works in the tribulation period is evidence for salvation, but good works are not a proof of salvation today? Stay tuned. We're going to talk about that question just coming up. You've tuned in to the Grace in Focus radio broadcast and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. There's a lot to find out about us, and you can do that at faithalone.org. That is our website, and you'll find our resources there, our many articles, blogs, videos, books, and our magazine, also called Grace in Focus. That's at faithalone.org. Now with today's question and answer, here are Bob Wilkin and Leon Atkins. Leon, I believe you have a question from a theologian named Sam, uh, someone with a Ph.D., so this is an excellent question uh, from a, a professor. And what does he say? Well, I believe Sam is on the same page as we are on the dispensations, and he asks a very meaningful question. He says, um, in the tribulation, it will be considered proof of having eternal life by compassionate behavior at that time. And he uses an example in Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31, where Jesus says to the sheep that are on his right hand, he says that uh, you have uh, clothed me, you have visited me, uh, you have uh, performed these acts of compassion. And they say, well, when, Lord, did we do this? And Jesus said, when you did it to my brothers, you did it to me. So apparently he is speaking of Jewish believers in the tribulation. And can you answer the question that Sam is asking, why would that be considered evidence of possessing eternal life in the tribulation, but in this dispensation, not so? Okay, that's a great question. And it's interesting that in verse 34, he says, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. He doesn't say, come, you blessed of my father, and have everlasting life. Mm -hmm. So we need to talk about what inheriting the kingdom means. With the goats, and by the way, the sheep are Gentile believers. The goats are Gentile unbelievers, both of whom are those who adults who survive the tribulation. Uh And of the goats, he says... Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and for his angels. And again, he says, for you didn't feed my brethren, you didn't clothe them, you didn't visit them in prison or whatever. So Sam's question is an excellent one. And I remember when I was, I taught for one year at Multnomah, back then School of the Bible, today it's Multnomah University in Portland, And I ended up debating one of the other faculty members on Lordship Salvation. And this was the issue that Sam brings up, he brought up. And he said, how is it that during the tribulation, perseverance is guaranteed, but it's not guaranteed today? In other words, 100% of the surviving Gentile believers are faithful. There's not an unfaithful one found here. Yes. And Sam's asking the related question— How can their moral uh, behavior prove they have everlasting life? Well, I think what Gary that I debated at Multnomah and Sam, what he's asking here, uh, are not discussing 
and Sam may grasp this, just not asking it in this question, Mm -hmm. is that the Lord isn't talking about the sheep having everlasting life. He's Ah. talking about them inheriting the kingdom. Mm. And in Scripture, inheriting the kingdom refers to ruling with Christ in the life to come. And so all of these faithful believers are going to rule with Christ. And one of the things that's also often left out is there are many believers during the tribulation who don't make it to the end. Some are martyred, of course, and they will be highly rewarded, but some are unfaithful and God takes them before the end of the tribulation. Ah. Remember in Matthew 24, 13, Jesus says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Well, in verse 22, he explains, unless those days were cut short, no flesh would be saved. Meaning the salvation in Matthew 10, 13 is not salvation from hell. It's salvation from all of the deadly judgments of the tribulation. So that his point is there won't be a single unfaithful adult believer alive at the end of the tribulation. Whether it's Jewish or Gentile, 100% of the adults are going to be, if they're believers, they're going to be faithful. Wow. And they're going to inherit the kingdom. They're going to rule with Christ in the life to come. That doesn't mean there weren't unfaithful during the tribulation. You see, this is the only time, well, I shouldn't say the only, maybe there's two times. Basically, the only time in the history of mankind where 100% of the believers were faithful. Possibly Noah and his wife and his three sons and daughter-in-laws were all faithful. If so, then at the beginning of the restart, after the flood, you had 100% of the people, the believers, being faithful. But aside from that, we don't have everybody faithful. I suppose maybe you could say Adam and Eve were faithful uh, once they came to faith in Christ after Genesis 3.15. So maybe there were a few times. But basically today, uh, it's not true that 100% of those who are born again are faithful. We know that from the parable of the four soils, for example. And we know it from uh, the parable of the minas and many other teachings that the Lord has. So I think Sam's point is that we don't, it should be that the judgment of the sheep and the goats doesn't mean we evaluate who's born again based on their works. We evaluate who's going to rule and reign with Christ based on their works. In the kingdom. In yes. the kingdom. We'll rule and reign in the kingdom. And so you've got this unique time. And in terms of the unbelievers, Hodges makes a good point because a lot of people think these people are being cast directly into the lake of fire, right? Because mm-hmm. he says, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, Hodges points out that this is basically like an arraignment. You know, if someone is charged with a crime, they meet before a judge to see if there's enough evidence to hold them for trial, right? Yes. Hodges thinks this is their arraignment, because there's going to be a thousand years between the end of the tribulation and the great white throne judgment after the millennium. So the question is, is there enough evidence to hold them for that thousand years? And where they're held is in a place called Hades, Greek, or Sheol, Hebrew, the place of the unsaved dead. And that's a place of everlasting fire. Now, of course, after the millennium, they will have their 
day of, in court at the great white throne judgment. And at that time, they will be judged individually. This is a situation where they're, they're each shown to have enough evidence to hold them, but they're not going through in detail and going, okay, let's evaluate all your good and bad works to determine how much torment you get in the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. That's looking at the books of deeds in Revelation twenty eleven to 15. But since their name is not in the book of life, Revelation twenty 15, they'll be cast into the lake of fire. So I think the point here is this is an arraignment and their deeds are sufficient to show that they're going to be held till the great white throne judgment. Uh, and part of the reason is because if they're someone who survives the tribulation and they're an adult, if they're a believer, they've endured to the end. Yes. And if they've not endured to the end, then they're not a believer because they would have died, right? And so this is a person who never did believe. And so I really think this is not that complicated. And so when someone tries to use he that endures to the end will be saved as a uh, an evidence of being born again in this dispensation, they're really off the wall, and they're taking something that applies to prophecy in the tribulation and attempting to apply it during the church age. That, that's exactly right. And shouldn't we be going to John 3.16 or John 5.24, yes. going to simple verses that make it clear? The issue is not that there's some sort of dispensational change that means the saving message is different. The saving message in the book of Revelation is clearly laid out in Revelation twenty-two seventeen. Whoever wishes, let him take the water of life freely or as a gift. This gift of everlasting life is free to the one who believes. It's found from Genesis to Revelation. Yes. All the way through. So it's funny how people kind of, I don't know how you would put it, they're grasping for ways to support lordship salvation or work salvation. Now, not Sam. I think what he's doing is just trying to get an explanation. Sounds like he agrees with us that everlasting life Mm -hmm. is a free gift by faith apart from works. And this just doesn't seem to fit. And so he's wanting, in in fact, one explanation I think some people do have is that things change during the tribulation. And so there's a different saving message in the tribulation. That's wrong, of course, but some people might give that. Uh Haven't you ever heard some people say that in the Old Testament, people were saved by By works? works, and today by by grace. Yeah. In the tribulation, it'll go back to works and so on. (laughs) And, And no, from... You know, it's always been by grace through faith apart from works. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I remember Alan Ross said one time when I was talking to him that he thought that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, should be taught by the Old Testament faculty. And he mm-hmm. said, because even though it was written during the church age, it's written about wow. events that took place yes. during the Old Testament dispensation. And so as a result, uh, John 3.16 is, is really an Old Testament verse. Yes. Right? I yes. mean, we get it in the New <laughs> Testament. I understand that. Uh-huh. But Jesus said that to Nicodemus before the church was born. In the Old Testament. He was evangelizing mm-hmm. an Old Testament person. And so uh, I think it's important for us to recognize that there's been one saving message from Genesis to Revelation, 
It's not going to change during the the tribulation. It's not going to change during the millennium. And it wasn't different during the time during the law of Moses or the time before the law of Moses. It's always been by grace, through faith, apart from works. And it's always been by faith in the Messiah. It's never been by a generic faith in God. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Sam. That's a phenomenal question. I I hope that uh, this helps. We've got some articles on this at faithalone.org if you want to look into it more. And remember, keep grace in focus. On our site, we have all kinds of materials that are designed to help you mature and grow in your faith and your understanding of Scripture. Please come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. You'll be glad you did. God loves a cheerful giver, and that's why we think our financial partners are some of the happiest people in the world. If you would like to learn how to become a financial partner with Grace in Focus, we would very much appreciate it. Learn more at faithalone.org. It's really exciting to hear from our listeners. So if you've got a question, comment, or feedback, I hope you'll reach out to us. Best way to do that is through email. Here is our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next episode, we hear again from Bob and Leon. They'll be considering the question, must I believe in the divinity of Christ to be saved? Please join us for that. And until then, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.